Hey everybody, it's Pastor Will. Welcome or welcome back to the Brazos Fellowship Podcast. Thank you for listening today. And at the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast if you aren't already. But more importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. So prayer can be awkward sometimes. It can be hard to know what to say, when to say it, how to say it, what conditions under which you should say it. And so we're going to talk about prayer over the next couple of weeks, talking about how to pray. And this is not according to Will Lewis, but according to Jesus Christ. Uh, You can breathe a sigh of relief, right? Uh, We're going to look at what does Jesus have to say? Because I bet you have asked the same kinds of questions at some point where maybe like uh, some of these scenes from the movies where you've just been like, okay, I don't really even know the point anymore. Like, why should we pray? Like, maybe that's something you didn't really grow up doing, and it's hard to even know, like, why am I doing this? Does prayer really make a difference? And as we're going to look at over the next couple of weeks, Jesus had actually a lot to say about some of these questions. And in getting more specific as we say, okay, we're going to start to pray, how should we pray? Like, is there a right way? Is there a wrong way to pray? And Jesus actually has a lot to say about these things and really brings a lot of clarity that actually, yes, there are some things that we need to know that could help the effectiveness of our prayers in a great way and uh, might not be what you think. So uh, the disciples had these almost exact same kinds of questions about prayer. They had been watching Jesus pray for a while. They watched him over and over, and they kind of were scratching their heads like, wow, there is something real different about the way Jesus is praying than the way we were taught to pray. And then one day, which recorded for us over in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 11, verse 1, they come to Jesus and they say, Lord, teach us to pray. Like, we really would love to know how to pray like you. And it wasn't because they had no idea how to pray, because most of them had taught, been taught how to pray from their parents, from the priests. They had learned prayers uh, from childhood all the way up, sections of the Hebrew Scripture, which we would call the Old Testament, sections from Psalms and different places that they had memorized. And they had said these rote prayers over and over But there was something really different about Jesus' prayer that were more powerful, more intimate, seemed to be like coming from the heart, really different than the kind of prayers that they had prayed. And so they came to Jesus and they asked, teach us to pray. Now this is such a brilliant move by Jesus that Jesus waited to be asked. Jesus certainly could have brought it up before then, right? But prayer is such an intimate like personal thing that it's hard to talk about with other people, isn't it? I don't know if you've ever tried to bring that conversation up, but imagine for a moment that like you were asked to pray over a meal, right? And then somebody comes up to you after the meal and just said, hey, yeah, I heard you praying before the meal and uh, it occurred to me you didn't do it right, okay? And I feel like I kind of appointed myself to come and teach you how to pray properly, all right? Well, it would be hard not to get a little defensive, as somebody who came and did that to you or did that to me, right? But the fact is, if we are wrong, we are wrong, right? And and, and shouldn't we want to know the right way to pray? If there are some things that we're doing in our prayer life right now that are sort of going outside of the lines of what Jesus said was effectual prayer, that we would want to know so that we could correct it 
right? Like, even if it stings a little bit to hear this, like, yes, yes, please, Lord, just like the disciples came to Jesus, you would say, Lord, teach me to pray. And maybe, for some of you sitting here today, you would be honest enough, humble enough, that you would say, this would be your first prayer today in the service of just saying, Lord, if there's more to know than I know currently, and let's be honest, that, me included, there is more to know than I know currently, and more than you know currently. Yes, Lord, if there's more to know, teach me how to pray. Show me how to pray. I want to know how to pray. Now, Jesus is, again, masterful teacher, in answering that question or answering that request from the disciples, he begins by teaching them how not to pray. Now, I like this because it's like Jesus saying, let me point out a few of the big uh-ohs, a big uh, mistakes people are making in our culture, in our world, and they're still making them right down to today. Let me show you how not, this is how it's not done, okay? Before I tell you how it is done. So in Matthew chapter six, this is right in the middle of Jesus' most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter six, starting with verse five, here's Jesus beginning to unpack and getting very explicit and, and, and very careful about his words, showing us how to and how not to pray. So here, here we are getting started. Jesus says, and when you pray, do not, do not be like the, let's say this, highlight a word together, do not be like the, the hypocrites. Now let me pause for a second. This word hypocrite comes from the Greek word hypocrites, which means to be under a mask. Even in Jesus' day, both the Greeks and the Romans, they were well known for their stage actors, and they were people that would gather in their huge you know, arenas and auditoriums, so to speak, outdoor uh, you know, amphitheaters, to, to watch these performances. And when they would perform, and they were really good, just like today, people would, wow, that's incredible, and would... Uh, you know, kind of seeing their acclaim and tell them how good they are. And they didn't have Academy Awards back then, but there were definitely people that were respected because of their hoopocrites, their ability to behave under the mask. And let's be honest, a really good actor is somebody who's a really good faker, okay? And Jesus is sort of recognizing, hey, there is a place for that on the stage, that's fine, but don't drag that into your prayer life. Be so careful, because it's not just on the stage. Now, because of social media and so many other things of our day, your whole life has become a stage. Everything has become an opportunity to present a public face that's carefully curated for everyone to see, right? And we, we don't even realize it, but we start to live like hypocrites. In other words, we begin to be really good fakers, so much so that we start believing our own stuff. Like, no, that's, that's really how I am. But you, if you really thought about it, now I'm actually a different person per, privately than I am publicly on a lot of these platforms. And this is, and I understand some of us have to do that for promoting your business, etc. Jesus is just saying, don't drag that into your prayer life. It'll mess you up because people do it all the time. And he said the Pharisees, the Sadducees, these religious leaders of the day, they do it all the time. These hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues, the most holy places, and on the street corners to be seen by others, right? That's why they're doing it. That's why they're doing it. So who are they really praying for? 
they're not praying for God, they're praying to others. And Jesus says, listen, me, my Father, the Holy Spirit, we got no tolerance for that kind of pretense, that kind of pretending, fakers. We want you to be real. We want you to be honest. We want you to be real with your prayers. This is why Jesus called them hypocrites. He says, don't be a hypocrite when you pray. We've all tended to be hypocrites. We all want to sound better than we really are when we pray. And he says, be so careful with that. And he starts talking about rewards. And then the second half of verse five, he says this. He says, truly I tell you, they, they being the hypocrites, right? They have received their reward in full. What is he talking about here? Jesus is saying they have received the reward that they've received is the attention, the applause, the recognition, the respect, the acclaim from the people who are so impressed with their public prayers. Now, Jesus here is not condemning public prayers. Just a few chapters from here, Jesus brings the fishes and loaves with the feeding of the 5,000, and he publicly prays and asks God to bless them. It multiplies, and they feed thousands and thousands of people. And then, though, right after that, we see Jesus going up on a hillside by himself and praying to the Father alone all night long, okay? So we see Jesus showing us both public and private prayers. Jesus is just saying, be so careful about when you do public, when you are in public, when you're praying with other people, make sure you're talking to God and you're not trying to impress the ears that are hearing. In other words, Jesus is showing us God lets us have the reward from the audience that we choose. Who are you praying to? Who are you praying for? Who are you trying to impress? You know, have you ever been caught up in this? Because I certainly have done this, praying with my own kids sometimes. I'm praying, but I'm also trying to convict the one I'm praying with, okay? <laughs> Don't do that, right? I've had to ask for forgiveness both from the daughter and from the Lord for that. Just be careful, because it, it happens to all of us. It can be, it's so easy to happen. So, the, the, the really great follow-up question here is, so when and where are we to pray? We, God, you, you, I mean, Jesus, you kind of showed us when and where we're not supposed to pray, the way we're not supposed to pray. How are we to pray? Now, verse six, he addresses that. He says, but when you pray, those of you who claim to be followers of Jesus Christ, you are the sons and daughters of the most high God. He says, but when you pray, go into your, let's say it together, your room and close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. Now, this idea of room here, he's speaking to a, a group of people who, at very best, many of them, their homes were a single room. So it wasn't like everybody had their own room. Uh, some of the homes did. But what he's talking about is getting alone, getting isolated, getting alone. And you may be saying, well, getting all alone? Like, why? Because Jesus, the reason why is that Jesus wants us to get in a space and a place and a time where you are not and I am not tempted to perform for anybody. This is just about you getting real and honest with God. Honest to God. Really getting real with him. And you're speaking to him relationally as a child to a loving father. Now, I know sometimes when we start talking about fathers, for many of you, there's some of you that may have grown up with a, an abusive father, a really hard father to love, one that was really hard on you, horrible to you, and so there's some baggage there. But I want to encourage you not to lose 
the power of this language that Jesus has given us. That there is also, I believe, the power to substitute, to circumvent that old abusive idea um, that goes with that, that, that image that we have of our earthly father, that it can be supplanted by an, a, a correct image of our heavenly father who loves you. To take a lyric from the song we just sang, he is madly in love with you. He loves you. And he wants you to speak to him as a child, as his loving daughter, as his loving son, to speak to him privately, privately, and that you would use the language that most accurately reflects what is going on in your heart. Don't filter it. Be honest. Be open. Be real with God. I think there's sometimes we, 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 we play it's too safe. We, we, I think Jesus here is trying to get us to stop praying safe little church prayers that you would only say publicly at church. I want you to get honest. Just It's you and me. Pray real prayers. Say it as honestly as you know how, even if the language is a little harsh. Remember who you're talking to, but be honest with God. There is something so cathartic, so like healing to finally get honest to God about what you've been carrying, what you've been struggling with, the reality of where you are spiritually and where you are presently in your life. It's so important to get, that kind of honesty requires, it necessitates isolation. You've got to get alone. Maybe it's a walk in the woods. It's get literally in your closet. It's going into the bedroom, closing the door. I'll be with you guys in a little bit. I know when the kids were little, Leslie and I sometimes would go in the bathroom, close the door. You know what I'm talking about. And part of your prayer is, Lord, don't let them destroy the house while I'm in the bathroom. You know, like, but, but you just need a quiet, alone place for just a minute to talk to God because you're at your wit's end and you just need that. We need that. I love it that he makes space for that. And he goes on to say this in verse six. He says, then your father the same father that you've been speaking to, right? Your loving heavenly father who sees what is done in secret, what you did isolated, alone, all by yourself, listening to worship music, just just praying your guts out, getting real with him. He will reward you. He's gonna reward you. Now you may say, well, Will, I feel a little like, you know, some mixed feelings about that. Like, I, I shouldn't pray with the you know, anticipation or desire to be rewarded for it. But it wasn't your idea. It's your Heavenly Father's idea. And just like we like to love and give good gifts to our kids and to our grandkids and to others, God's saying, where do you think you got that inclination from? That, that came from me. That's what I love to do. And I will bless you and I will reward you for the time you set aside to be alone with me every day. So powerful. In other words, secret prayer, prayer is rewarded by your Father. He wants to reward it. And I truly believe here at Brazos Fellowship, a part of our story, I don't know if some of you know this, but this church began in Leslie and I's living room. (laughs) It was many years ago, but it was a small group in our living room. And I truly believe that part of what God has blessed through the years is not 
any kind of artistry or great communication or all this. It was the blessing of God of what has been pleaded with God in private, and now he has rewarded it in public. He has brought to pass what had been asked for in private. It is consistently going before God and saying, Lord, not our will but yours. We want what you want, Lord. Now, let me just ask you, what if we started praying like that was really true? Like, God will reward private prayers. How would that change the way you pray? How would that change your your habitual prayer habits right now? Like, how your daily, weekly routines of prayer, how should they change if you really believed, like, deep down, soul level, heart level, believed what Jesus believed? What he said was absolute gospel truth, that God sees what's in private and he blesses that. How would you change your schedule? How would you arrange your day? How would you arrange your life? How would things change? This is such an important question to ask. And then Jesus goes on to say, he kind of goes back to how not to do it. He says, and when you pray, do not keep on, let's say it together, do not keep on babbling like the pagans. This word babbling literally means to kind of drone on, repetitious, um, kind of saying things over and over in a mindless way. You don't really, you're not really thinking about it, you're just saying it, saying it, saying it, saying it. Jesus is saying, don't get caught up in a lot of the pagan religions, even back in Jesus' day, would do that because they believed that their gods were asleep and they had to wake them up. And that this is part of the wake-up process. It was like, hello, wake up, you know, listen, we got something to tell you. And he's like, your father in heaven does not operate like that. He is always alert, always awake. He is always with you. You don't have to do that. You don't have to do that. He says, you don't have to babble on like the pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words, right? Jesus is showing us here, repetition doesn't get God's attention. Repetition or the length of your prayer, nothing wrong with having long prayers, but don't do it because you think, oh, this is gonna move God. This is gonna get his attention. This will really get him after the issue at hand here that I really, it's like heavy on my heart. God, you gotta, like, a long prayer, if it's from the heart, wonderful, it's awesome. Using sophisticated vocabulary, God is not moved or impressed by that, okay? You, long prayers, repetitious prayers, if they're from the heart, yes. If you're doing it in, in hopes that somehow formulaically you're gonna get God, it's just sort of like the recipe. If you put all the ingredients in and use the right language and pray enough times and, and long enough, God will, you get his attention and he'll do what you want. He's saying, it doesn't work like that. If anything, here's what Jesus is telling us. When it comes to prayer, and don't you miss this, keep it simple. Keep it simple. Keep it simple. People make it way too complex. Keep it simple. Now, Jesus exemplifies this beautifully in a, in a, Pharise- uh, pardon me, in a, uh, um, uh, a story that he told, this, this parable, over in Luke chapter 18, where he talks about two men that were going to the temple to pray. Okay? The first guy was a Pharisee, a religious leader. 
And he says that he felt very righteous because he looked down on everybody else. He thought he was better than them. And you see it in his prayer. When he starts praying, his prayer is all about him. It's about how great he is and how he does these wonderful things for God and how religious he is and how holy, you know, parts of his life. Just spotlighting, you know, it's basically the highlight reel of his social media, right? That's what he's doing. And he's praying it out loud so everybody in church could hear. But then there's a second guy. And he's a tax collector, the most despised member of society of Jesus' day because they were seen as traitors. They were Jewish men who were employed by the Roman government to collect Roman taxes from the Jews and they would skim off the top, got very rich, and were seen as horrible you know, turncoats against their own people and they were excommunicated, not allowed in the, in the synagogue. They were, they were kept at arm's length. And he says, and there was this tax collector who also came to pray. It, it, it probably at great peril to himself because he's not welcome there. Not welcome at church. That's how bad of a sinner he is. Just imagine any category of person that you think is so bad, how could God love a person like that? And that would fit into the place of tax collector. Jesus has just given us a, a placeholder for anybody that would fit into that place. And he says, in the tax collector in his prayer, does something different. He doesn't come front and center where everybody can hear him. He stood over at a distance, over in the corner. And, and, and you see his contrition, his humility, even in his posture. He would not even look up to heaven. He bowed his head before a holy God and beat his breast and said, God, have, let's say it together, have mercy on me, a sinner. To which Jesus' listeners, maybe like you today, would say, that's not even a prayer, Jesus. <laughs> that doesn't even seem like a prayer at all. Like, that's just too short. It's like one little sentence, right? But Jesus says, out of the two guys' prayers, the other one that would sound so impressive and everybody would say, wow, Academy Award goes to prayer number one, Pharisee, right? And Jesus says, in heaven, he would be kicked out. That didn't work. That's fake, that's phony, that's hypocritical. He says, this guy right here, two thumbs way up from Father, Son, Holy Spirit. This is what I'm looking for. And if you are a person, ladies and gentlemen, some of you need to hear this, that has a hard time praying out loud because you don't always know the words, this ought to be a comfort to you. One sentence is good. Jesus says, you're good. Let's let it be real. Keep it simple. Keep it real, right? Doesn't have to be complicated. Doesn't have to be impressive. You're not talking to them anyway. You're talking to him, right? This is Jesus reminding us. Earlier in the same chapter, this is Luke chapter 18, verse 1. He starts the whole chapter with an incredible parable about this persistent widow. I don't have time to read the whole thing. I encourage you to go back and read it on your own. Luke chapter 1, or chapter 18, verse 1 and following. But Luke tells us, this is so beautiful, a little insight. He says, I'm about to tell you a parable, and I'm going to tell you the why, the big idea behind the, the parable. Like the moral of the story is, he tells us right up front. He says, then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should, and let's read this together, that they should always pray and not give up. You need to keep it simple, keep it real, and keep it up. Keep it simple, keep it real, keep it up. I'd like us to say that together. You ready? Keep it simple, keep it real, keep it up.
This is such good, godly advice when it comes to your prayer life. Because at some point or another, you're going to be tempted to let go of one of these. And Jesus is saying, you need all three. Keep it simple. Keep it real. Keep it up. So where do we go wrong? Where do we go off the tracks with our prayer many times? And, and uh, he addresses this at the next verse, verse 8. Jesus tells us, he says, do not be like them. Who's them? The babblers, the, 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 the hypocrites. Don't, be, don't, you don't feel like that somehow your performance is going to get God's attention. Don't be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Now you may be saying, wait, what? He already knows? Then why ask? Right? (laughs) But it just makes sense that Jesus would say he already knows. If God is omniscient, he knows everything. He certainly knows your requests before they come out of your mouth. That just makes sense. And if he doesn't, I would say, I would challenge, you shouldn't be praying to a God like that. Right? Jesus is making sure you know you are praying to a God like that. That is the way he is. Jesus is trying to make us, he's forcing us to come face to face with this question. Why am I praying? What is the point? What is the purpose for which I am praying? Because for most people, most people, it is God, here are my wants and here are my needs. Or God, here is someone else's wants and needs would you go and address those would you take care of those but he uh he if he already knows then why are we praying right but jesus over and over shows us that we should be praying he was praying all the time as a matter of fact if anybody could have opted out of prayer I mean, let's be honest for just a minute. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, you know, God in the flesh, I think he he would be, like, excusable if he said, hey, guys, I'm all prayed up. Like, y'all go ahead and pray. I think I'm good, all right? But he never did that. He was praying more than anybody. He was always carving out time to talk to the Father, over and over and over. And not only did he model it, but he was encouraging us to pray all the time, over and over and over. So what are we missing What are we missing? What is it that we're not quite getting our head and our heart around? He addresses it in this very next verse. Verse nine, here's what Jesus says. He says, this then is how you should pray. Let me lay it out for you. And and I want you to pay close attention to the words. Jesus never uses words haphazardly. These are intentional, careful, powerful words. He says, here's your prayer. Our Father in heaven hallowed be your name. Okay, first of all, you need to pause and acknowledge who you are talking to. That you're speaking to the great God of the universe who has no equal or no rival. That he is a father to you. He is intimate, relational, and loving. He cares for you. He's crazy about you. He wants that time with you and he knows everything in your life will compete for that time from you to not give it to him so when you do give it to him it is a joy to him it is a celebration in his heart he's not only father but he is hallowed he is holy he is honored he is the great God who is omnipotent all powerful the God of the universe And he has made time for us 
anytime we want to talk to him. He is both intimate and he is infinite. Simultaneously, Jesus is showing us. And that when we come before him, it should be an awesome moment. It is an awesome thing to come, for, come before God Almighty. To come before him and say, God, what an honor it is to be seen by you, to be heard by you, to be known by you, and to be loved by you. God, wow, don't ever get past that. That is incredible. This will ignite your heart to want to pray more. When you finally realize who you are talking to, it's beautiful, it's powerful, and it will motivate you to want to make time for him. And it is the thing for which your, your soul is thirsting for. It longs for more than anything else. And in time, guess what will begin to happen for you, ladies and gentlemen? You will begin to see that that life and that God who you speak to is more precious than anything in this world. It is better than anything this world can offer you. It is so good. It is so good. And we miss it. We miss it. This is why the psalmist said in Psalm 46.10, Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. Because when we're not still, we think I am God, don't we? One of the biggest differences between God and us, not the only, but one of the biggest differences is that God never thinks he's you. There's never a moment in heaven where he's like, whoa, for a minute there I thought I was human. That's weird. God never, he never does that. But we frequently throughout our day, and I do it too, ladies and gentlemen, we'll feel this overwhelming, crushing stress and anxiety that it is all up to me and I am in control of the outcomes of life and my kids and the future and finances and everything is up to me. Now make no mistake, we give our best but we do not put our faith and our trust in our best. We put our faith and trust in His best. We trust Him for the outcomes of life and when we drag that on us and we begin to think, I am God, it is a crushing weight that no human can live under. It is a persecution. It is a slavery. It is the faith of the scribes and the Pharisees to which Jesus says, I have come to bring you an easy yoke. All of you who are weary and burdened, come and find rest. I'll give you rest for your souls. My yoke is easy. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. And, and, and it is, it's beautiful, it's so good. It brings such great perspective when we slow down and we remind ourselves who we're talking to. Because ultimately, if I could put it in one sentence, what Jesus is saying here, when we pause and reflect on who God is, we gain a better understanding of who we are and why we're here. In other words, we gain a better understanding of both our identity and our purpose for life. And has there been any other time in world history where people are questioning their identity and their purpose for being here more than now? There is not a more urgent time for you and I to slow down and be reminded who we are in a relationship to our Heavenly Father than now. And to be a light wherever you go, not a prideful, arrogant, but a, a, a humble one that God wants to use you 
to make a difference in this world. But he can't. If we rush by this and we miss this acknowledgement of who we're talking to, then what are we left to conclude? That this is all there is. This stuff, this all this stuff that we see, this is all that there is in life. And that you and me, we're all that matters. And that is false. It's wrong. And Jesus is trying to help us to gain perspective and not to fall into this pitfall of wrong thinking that is soul crushing and it divides us from God and from each other, ultimately. We have to be reminded of what matters most. And Jesus says, so once you understand that you're praying to a father that is hallowed, right? Then he says, and now you're ready to begin to understand what the next step is. And here it is. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're literally praying, what's happening up there, we want it to come down here. The way that you're, you're, you're followed and obeyed and, and the beauty and the harmony that happens in your presence, we want that to happen starting right here in Will Lewis's life. I want to do what you want done. But, but the knee-jerk reaction for most of us, especially those who live in the Western Americas, is, wait a minute, Jesus, your kingdom, your will, what about my kingdom and my will? What about me? What about my career and my family and my kids and my future and my, fan, my, my, my family and my you know, career, you know, finances? And what about all of this, right? But Jesus would say, I already covered that. Back up in verse eight, were you listening? Where he says, your father already knows what you need before you ask. He already knows, right? He's got you. This is why later in this same chapter, Matthew 6, verse 33, right down almost at the very end, he says, and don't forget this part, but you need to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things. These things will be given to you as well, right? The first thing, the first thing you need to begin to pray for is God, help me to begin to understand it's your kingdom first. Because when I acknowledge who I'm talking to, the only logical next step is you first. Your kingdom first, your agenda first, your will first. And mine is back here somewhere. That's the only thing that makes sense, right? In other words, the purpose of prayer is not to, is, is not to surrender, uh, pardon me, the purpose of prayer is to surrender our will, not to impose it on God. That is the purpose. Number one purpose that Jesus is showing us is to surrender our will to God's will, to align ourselves with God's will. God, bring me into alignment with what you desire for me. How would you have me to come to work each day? How would you have me to be the husband I need to be, the father I need to be, the friend I need to be, the brother, the son? How do you want me to conduct myself? You see, until we surrender to God, what's the point of continuing in prayer, right? We're going to continue the Lord's Prayer next week. We're going to continue our way. But it's important that we pump the brakes and stop right here because until we're willing to surrender and say, your will, your kingdom first, 
there's really no point in going forward with prayer. Because many of us tend to treat prayer very much like a good luck charm. Like it's a wish me luck on the way out the door. God, thank you for this day. Here's my list. Gotta go. And Jesus is saying, it doesn't work like that. You need to slow down. You you need to make time. And maybe that is in your drive in the car. It's turning everything off, getting quiet, talking to God. You find the place that works for you. But we've got to do this because if we don't, then we just become consumers of God. We're just users. That God is just a favor distributor that's sitting at our beck and call. That's the way we treat him in prayer. And Jesus is trying to guard us against that wrong thinking. But that has been a part of Christian thinking for far too long. And Jesus is saying it's time for you to hit the, you know, sort of delete button on all that you've known and let me help you to see the right way. This then is how you should pray, Jesus says. And he's talking to a group of people that would say, we know how to pray already. He's saying the problem is it's wrong. (laughs) It doesn't work. But what if, ladies and gentlemen, what if Jesus was right? And that God's plan, it includes you, but it's bigger than you. God's plan is bigger than you, but it is not centered on you. It's not centered on me. He's doing something so much bigger than you and I, but we get to be a part of it, and he's inviting us into it. In other words, according to Jesus, if we pray, if we pray with any other posture than one of submission to his will, we are not doing it right. And I just want to encourage you today that you would just come with a posture of humility, submission, surrender to God today. Here's our prayer. I'm asking you to pray with me, simply saying, Heavenly Father, before I ask for anything else, I want you to know that I want what you want And I don't even know what that is yet, but I trust your love. I trust your wisdom. I trust your power. I can follow it. And then finally, I surrender my kingdom to yours. And maybe this surrendering your kingdom to his is receiving his gift of salvation today. Maybe that's where you are. And if you would, let's bow together in prayer right now. We're gonna go before our Father and spend a moment talking to him. And if you would, just close your eyes, bow your head, Let's not look around today. It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. It doesn't matter who's looking. It doesn't matter what, who sees, who, what, what happens. It is only about your Father. And right now, would you just have the, the courage, the confidence for just a moment to say to your Father in heaven, God, I want what you want. Help me going forward to keep it simple, keep it real, and keep it up. God, I love you, and I submit my agenda, my will, and my kingdom to yours. I surrender my life to you right now. Would you tell him that? I surrender my life to you right now. For this is the reason you were created to live for your Father in heaven. It is where you discover who you really are. It is where you become, you come most alive in this life. And your prayers become more powerful and effective than you can imagine. 
And right now, for those in this room that would honestly say, I want to make God's kingdom mine. I want to surrender mine to you. And you want to become a follower of Jesus Christ, the child of the Most High God. And it is the longing and, and desire of your heart to become a disciple of Jesus, starting right here, right now, for the first time. If that's you, would you just pray right wherever you sit right now, would you just say, Jesus, I'm asking you to forgive all my sin. And I'm trusting that when you voluntarily died on the cross in my place and resurrected from the dead to pay for those sins in my life, all I have to do is place faith in you and I can be forgiven of those sins. And I ask you to forgive me right now and to be the Lord of my life starting right here, right now. If you just ask Jesus to be the forgiver of your sin and the Lord of your life beginning right here, right now, would you just boldly as an act of faith raise your hand right now? I'd love to pray for you. Anybody here? I'm giving it over to Jesus. God bless you, ma'am. Right here on the front row. Anybody else? Right back on the back row. I see the both of you right here. Buddy right there by the... The, the booth, both of you in front of the sound booth, back over here on the left. God bless you right there. Back over here on the left, far left. God bless you, sir, right there. Anybody in the balcony giving my life fully over to Jesus today, holding nothing back. God, God bless you, sir. I see you right there. God bless you. Father, thank you so much for your power today. For you tell us that even over one lost sinner who turns back to you, the heavens of the, the angels of heaven explode into celebration. God, there is a party going on in heaven right now. We praise you for that. We thank you that lives have been changed simply by understanding how we speak to you. We love you, God. We praise you for it. Thank you for hearing the, so many prayers of so many people who prayed privately that we're seeing a harvest today because of that. We love you. We praise you for it. We pray all this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Brazos Valley, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and information about our fabulous children's and student environments, visit us at brazosfellowship.com. That's brazosfellowship.com.